But I want to start with some of the basics um, and answer the question, who's the Holy Spirit and what is spirit baptism? Then I want to look at Scripture, and then I want to pray, and then I want to point out some truths for you today. But first, let me ask, answer some of those initial questions. Um, uh, who is the Holy Spirit and what is spirit baptism? Now, we don't have enough time to go in depth, and so I will do this in justice because uh, you can spend an, an enormous amount of time studying the person of the Holy Spirit. And so for me, in a minute or two, to give you a definition uh, isn't quite justice. But I'm going to do my best to give you a snapshot. The Holy Spirit is a third person of the Godhead. Our Creator has revealed Himself as a triune God, existing in three persons or individuals. A Father, often referred to as God the Father. Son, often referred to as Jesus or Jesus Christ or even the Lord. And Spirit, who is often referred to as the Holy Spirit. We see evidence of the Trinity or this triune God all throughout Scripture, both indirectly and directly. But I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 14, where the Apostle Paul greets Christians by saying, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Uh, although our time really uh, is insufficient to go into depth, um, this is a profound mystery. Um, and I can tell you, though, with confidence that the Holy Spirit is equal with the Father and the Son. Scripture tells us that, John 16, Ephesians 1, and John 14, and other places. His chief aim, his passion, his desire is to convict the world of sin, to show us our error and our need for our Creator. He convinces us of our need for redemption, our need to be rescued. He confirms the saving work of Jesus Christ. And then he comforts us, he counsels us, and he empowers us to love and to live and lead like Jesus. Now, what about the baptism in the Spirit? The baptism in the Spirit or baptism of the Spirit is an experience whereby Christians encounter the fullness and power of the Holy Spirit. This supernatural power gives us strength to more fully know God and more confidently make him known. A former general superintendent of the Assemblies of God Fellowship, the head guy, George O. Wood, he says this about baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is to initiate us deeper into the Spirit's mission and propel us in two areas of the Spirit's work. First, it's meant to draw us deeper into worship and to God. Secondly, the Spirit is designed to come upon us to thrust us into the world and the work of the Lord. Worship and work, these are the purposes of the Spirit. Worship and work, these are the purposes of the Spirit. In Scripture, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is also referred to as filled. We see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, being filled with the Spirit, also poured out. That's in Acts 2, 33 and 10, 45. And then in Acts chapter 2, 38, and also chapter 8, verse 17, uh, the word received. They received the Spirit. That's used. In Acts 10, 11, and 19, uh, the phraseology is different. It's came on, and the Spirit came upon them, came upon them. So some different verbiage for this experience of empowerment, this flooding, this, this overwhelming sense of the Spirit's presence and power. Now, there are three routes I could take to... Um, dig into this and, and share more about this topic. I could take the systematic, very analytical, 
piece-by-piece, methodical approach. I could take the narrative, the more effective, emotional story approach, uh, or I could kind of blend them and take a third approach, and that's what I'm going to do. And so in a moment, what I'd like to do is share a story from Scripture that will reveal truths about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then right after that, I'd like to just briefly look at some of the differing opinions about the Holy Spirit and about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because there are differing opinions. And so that's a bit of that systematic approach. And then I'd like to conclude with talking about how you can be open and receptive to more of the Spirit and His power in your life, and then we'll pray, okay? I hope that's all right with you. There's a lot here. Now, I've got some primary texts. We're going to read Acts chapter 1, verse 3 through 8. Then I'm going to reference chapter 2, okay, a few verses in chapter 2, and then we're going to go to chapter 3 of the book of Acts, and it's in chapter 3 that we encounter Peter and John, two good old boys heading to worship, and they have this divine, miraculous encounter, and that's really the story I want to look at today. Now, those primary scriptures, chapter 1, chapter 3, they're going to be on the big screen, but I have Uh, a number of supplementary scriptures. They're not going to be on the screen, okay? If you want to get those notes later, just let me know. Um, But I do encourage you to listen and soak this in and hear what God has to say to you today. Let's go ahead and go to our scripture before we start with prayer. Is that okay? Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse uh, 3 all the way through 8. And this is Jesus just after he had paid the penalty for our sin. He died on the cross. He rose again. He defeated death. And here he speaks to his disciples. This is the context. Chapter 3. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, that's his disciples, his followers, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that's a quick look at the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, we read about the Spirit coming and, 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 and pouring out upon the disciples, about 120 of them. They were eagerly anticipating and praying for the Spirit to come. And they immediately speak in unknown tongues. Others around those people listen to that message. Uh, There are thousands that are saved and put their faith, their trust in Jesus. Later in chapter 2, it tells us that they continue to worship the Lord. They continue to seek Him and have a great sense of awe and fear and wonder of the miracles that the Holy Spirit was doing. There was great generosity. And then in chapter 3, we see that shortly thereafter, that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that filling of power that Peter and John, uh, they set out to worship in the temple, which was their common practice. So that's, that's where we're going to go, and we're going to pick up the story there. Chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, 
where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you in the name or in the authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Verse 7. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk. Now we're going to do a quick skip over to 16 and then 19. Verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Verse 19, repent then, change your mind then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. What a wonderful story. The Spirit promised, the Spirit came and poured out amongst these early Christians, and then we see an immediate report of two guys going about their lives as Christ followers and this divine encounter, not just with a man, but this encounter with the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you three ways the Holy Spirit empowers us, empowers us to know Christ more fully and to make him known more completely in our world. Three things that I see in this text. And then again, we'll look at some of those um, differing views before we conclude in prayer. But let's start by opening and asking the Lord to speak to our hearts right now. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to look at Scripture. Lord, we thank you that in our brief period of time together um, that, that we have the opportunity to encounter you and encounter your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would be open, that we would be receptive, that we would be hungering and longering, longing to experience you in a fresh way. Now, God, I ask that you would help us to focus our attention, our thoughts, and our feelings um, on you. Help us to learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I notice in our text is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to see more clearly. He empowers us as Christ followers to see more clearly. Our text says that while uh, uh, Peter and John were heading to the temple, an area of worship, there, there was a gate called Beautiful. Some believe it was a gate actually referred to as the Corinthian gate, which had silver and gold on it. It was a very ornate, beautiful gate. And it was there outside of that beautiful gate that there was this really... Uh, um, uh, disgusting scene. There were beggars, there were people that were broken, there were people that were lame, there were people that are uh, uh, hungering and desiring for any expression of love. 
And at that moment, Peter and John, going day in, day out on their routine, encounter this man. And it says Peter looked straight at him, straight at him, as did John. Now, in the original text, it literally means he fixated upon him. He locked into him. He gawked at him. He stared at him. There was something that happened. Now, I probably shared this story, and I'll be brief, but I love this story because something somewhat similar happened to me. And I may have shared it, and again, I'm sorry if I did, but several years ago, um, I had this encounter where I just got fixated and started staring at someone. It was so awkward. Um, Carol Twohill, this is so funny. About 15 years ago, I dressed up like a pirate and came to your office. Do you remember that day? That was a fun day, friends. Well, the day I went out to buy my pirate supplies, because it was international talk like a pirate day, so I wanted to have a pirate outfit. Anyhow, it's a long story. But I'm walking into the store, and uh, in that crosswalk section right in front of the store, you know, um, where cars are supposed to yield to people, but you really think about hitting them, that area right there, okay, I saw this guy come walking out of the store, and he had the largest nose I've ever seen in my life. Again, I may have shared this story with you. You may have judged me and called me a hypocrite. I understand, but at that moment, I, 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 ju I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I just froze. It was like this matrix vortex kind of thing. I just, I was just gawking at this man's nose. And I just thought, wow. I mean, it's like, I was thinking of like uh, Pinocchio. I was thinking of Snuffleupagus. I was thinking about how much tissue he uses when he blows that thing. I just, my mind was going places. I thought, what is going on here? This nose. And at that very moment, from the heavens above, a raindrop fell and hit me right on my nose and woke me right up out of my trance. It was a funny moment. That's kind of what the verbiage is here in the original text. Day in, day out, Peter and John and other Christians would go to the temple, as was their tradition, and they would worship Jesus. But something happened that day where the Holy Spirit caught their attention, arrested their attention, and they noticed this man. They had seen the beggar outside of the beautiful gate before, but yet their attention was arrested and they were fixated on him, realizing the Holy Spirit had created a divine detour for them to encounter this man, and they responded to that. One of the things I see throughout the New Testament is that the Holy Spirit, when he empowers us, he helps us see more clearly, and I mean that in the broadest sense. He helps us see others as Christ would see them. He helps us sense him in his presence more, and he helps us surrender to his time, his schedule, his leading. It's a profound thing. I, we see it several places. In fact, Peter, who had uh, his own uh, prejudices and, and, and stereotypes, and he, he didn't want to share the gospel with Gentiles, non-Jewish people. He had this powerful vision, and in that vision, the Holy Spirit convicts him, challenges him, and changes his cultural perceptions, changes his religious ideologies, and lets him know that God loves all people regardless of their background. It's a radical openness uh, to seeing and experience God that Peter had not had before. And in fact, in Acts chapter 3, uh, Paul and Barnabas were prayed for, and they were sent out as missionaries. And it says, and the Spirit led them. And the Spirit led them. There's something that happens in this fullness of, of, of what God has through the Holy Spirit is that we begin to see others differently. We begin to sense God's presence differently. We begin to surrender our agendas and our schedules and our desires, and we encounter him and we encounter others in unique and fresh ways. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You, you've gone about your day, and suddenly you, you sense, you know that the Holy Spirit wants you to say or do something or not say or do something. 
there is a clarity that comes in your spiritual sight and in your physical sight. There, there is an awareness that comes to the Spirit's leading. Here's my simple point here. The Spirit helps us to see God's will more clearly. He empowers us to see others as Christ would see them. He begins to align our priorities to His priorities. And in doing so, He helps us walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? It's easy for us to look at the natural, but God has called us to be of the supernatural. And that's what the person of the Spirit does. Now, the second thing I see with the Holy Spirit in this work of the Holy Spirit, we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to show more compassionately. The Holy Spirit empowers us to show more compassionately. Uh, our original text today, it says Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Remember, they were gawking, they were fixated, they were moved uh, to look at him. It says, then Peter said, look at us, so that the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, probably this was an aside or a reference to the silver and gold on the gate nearby. Uh, he says, I don't have any of that, okay? But what I do have, which is significant, it's a person of the Holy Spirit indwelling with me, within me. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I give you. And in the authority, in the name of, in the permission of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. The man's need wasn't really a, a few coins to buy lunch. His need was much greater than that. And so you see this, this, this move of generosity, this move of, of, of grace that came about at that moment. The Holy Spirit empowers us to show more compassionately, and I see two ways he does this. And there's probably more. One is gifts of grace, gifts of grace. Two is generous uh, grace or gracious generosity. Let me unpack that a little bit. In Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, it says that the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowshipping, coming together, learning together about God, learning together about Jesus, the breaking of bread and prayer, that they would eat together, would fellowship together, they would have holy communion together, they would pray together. And verse 43 says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Literally, they were in fear. There was a sense of awe, a sense of wonder because of the miracles done through the gifts the Holy Spirit had given. And chapter 4, uh, verse 32. Now, chapter 4 uh, tells us um, what happened after Peter and John healed this man is uh, the religious leaders weren't happy, and they arrested them, and they interrogated them. And in the course of being interrogated, Peter and John respond um, to that. And so uh, after that, they go and they talk to their brothers and sisters in faith, and they report what happened. Chapter 4, verse 32 uh, uh, it says, all the believers were in one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had, verse 33, with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord. With great power, they began to testify or prove or show Jesus was real and show his power and his authority. You see, they did this through gifts of grace and gracious generosity. Gifts of grace are spiritual gifts in particular. They're what are called sign gifts. Uh, uh, the gift of healings, the gift of faith, the gift of miracle working, the gift of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Uh, these gifts were meant to show others the love, the grace of God. They were meant to validate. They were a sign or a witness. They were testimony to who Jesus was. One author says the gift of the Spirit are actually enablings of the Holy Spirit working through men. By these gifts of the Spirit, the believers become a channel of grace, a channel of grace to minister to others. 
but they also had gracious generosity. They weren't just excited about being empowered by the Spirit to do the miraculous, the supernatural. They were empowered to do the natural. They sold their possessions and gave to one another. There was no one in need. We see this in chapter 2 and again in chapter 4. There was this radical generosity. Now, I'll tell you what. I've grown up in the spirit-filled family or, or movement my whole life I have, whether it's been a denominational or non-denominational church. And I understand the importance of being empowered by the Holy Spirit to know God and make Him known. I have never heard a spirit-filled person say, man, the service was so powerful today, I have to go sell my possessions to care for someone in need. But that's exactly what was happening in the early church. It wasn't just these awesome, miraculous healings and, and, and manifestations or evidences of the Holy Spirit through spiritual gifts, but it was things like generosity as well that showed the compassion and love of Jesus Christ. And I think it's true for us today. We can be moved with compassion. A third thing that stands out is the Holy Spirit empowers us to share more courageously. Share more courageously. Now, it says when Peter uh, and John saw this man and there was a healing, people gathered around. They were curious. And so Peter doesn't say, hey, hey, you have a good day. No, he says, let me tell you how this healing was done and who did it. And he pointed them to Jesus. And he says, repent, change your mind, change your way of thinking, trust and follow Christ. Any sign and wonder is followed by a gospel proclamation. There was a boldness that Peter had. In fact, we, those of you that have read Scripture know that in chapter 2, as soon as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the early church, Peter stood up with great boldness and preached the good news of Jesus Christ. And at least 3,000 were saved that day. But by the way, at the end of chapter 2, in the book of Acts, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily. It wasn't just Peter and his bold proclamation uh, on the day of Pentecost uh, or to this lame man and the crowd that gathered around him, but it was men and women like you and I every day, every day talking about Jesus Christ. It wasn't just bold proclamations. It was courageous conversations, courageous conversations to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't that something? The same Holy Spirit can empower us to do that as well. That's really how the church, how the family of God has grown throughout the ages. The message of Jesus, one author says, the message of Jesus that was shared from person to person over time, that is what contributed more than anything else to the steady spread of Christianity around the world. It was people empowered by the Spirit to have a courageous conversation with the person next to them. Not a presentation, not a cramming something down someone's throat, but a conversation about faith and about eternity and about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. Now, we don't have a lot of time. This is a lengthy message, and I'll make this brief. Six, seven years ago, I was on a flight from Mumbai, India, to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. It's a five-hour journey. And uh, I sat down to a man, uh, I sat down next to a guy named Paul. Now, if you travel a lot and you're on planes a lot, there are times when you just don't want to be bothered. You, you just want to sleep. In fact, you pray that no one is next to you <laughs> so you can have that whole space to yourself. And there's other times, maybe if you're like me, you actually want to converse with people. Uh, and I always pray that the Lord would give me a witness, that the Lord would give me courage to share the gospel. And I don't just pray this when I'm traveling abroad. I, I just pray that God would use me to courageously share and show the love of Jesus Christ. And I had prayed that, and the Lord brought Paul. And Paul and I were seated next to each other for five hours. Now, Paul was an atheist. 
from Liverpool, England. I was a preacher from Chicago and we're on a plane across the Indian Ocean. I thought it can't get any better than this. you got to be kidding me. i got five hours next to an atheist who says there is no God, and I'm saying, oh, there, I, th- I got a different opinion on that. But you better believe the whole time within me, I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me courage, to give me words, to give me sensitivity. You know what I was praying and asking God to do? Help me listen to Paul. Help me listen to him. Help me learn from him. Paul grew up in Liverpool, England, and when John Lennon was assassinated, he recalls that uh, the priest at his school came in and defamed and talked trash about the great musician John Lennon. Uh, And at that time, at age 12 or 13, something turned within him. He became very bitter and cynical against the organized church. That set him on a trajectory in his life to deny any institutionalized or structured religion. I I don't like structured, institutionalized religion, but I love Jesus. And as I listened to Paul, Paul was traveling all around the world to see some friends. Actually, his final destination was Beijing, China. And I thought, wow, this guy really values this relationship. And the Lord revealed to me that that's how you begin to talk with him about God. Because God is always always about healthy relationships. Jesus came so that we could have a healthy, restored relationship with our Creator. But it was the power of the Holy Spirit giving me courage in that moment. I'll tell you what, that flight could have been hell. It could have been a rough five hours. It wasn't. We talked for three hours about things of faith. And the last hour, we talked about tourism and sightseeing. And over the years, I've corresponded with him. He's still militant, has some very strong views. But I pray for him and I think of him. And every now and then, I'll email him and let him know that. The Holy Spirit can and will empower you to more courageously share the good news of Jesus Christ. Three things I see the Holy Spirit does through the baptism is he helps us see more clearly. He empowers us to show more compassionately. And he helps us share more courageously. In a moment, we're going to talk about how to be open and receptive to that in our own lives. But I do, and I know we're long in our time, I do want to briefly lay out some few um, theological misunderstandings or differences that often trip people up when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'll do that briefly. And again, uh, there are entire classes at the graduate level. Uh, People have studied these things for years, so I don't mean to dumb it down, but I want to just give you a quick, quick couple things to grab. First of all, I want to address two common heresies. These are false teachings. These are incorrect. And I have encountered them as I've worked with Christians of different uh, backgrounds. Okay, I have an interdenominational ministry, and I work with people of different faith, different Christian faith backgrounds. The first is that um, if you're not baptized by the Holy Spirit, uh, sorry, the first is that um, if you haven't been baptized by the Holy Spirit, you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's not true. In John 20, 22, it says that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, uh, he breathed on his disciples and he said, receive the Spirit. So even prior to Acts chapter 2, those early Christians had already received the Holy Spirit. And so at salvation, we receive the Spirit. The Spirit journeys with us and he does empower us, okay? And so the view that if you haven't experienced this baptism, this special flooding of the Spirit's power, that you're not a believer, that's false. There's a second false teaching. It's that if you haven't received that baptism, that second experience, that, that flooding with power, and you're not speaking in tongues, that you're not a Christian, you're not saved. 
that is a heresy. That's a false teaching. Anything that we think we have to do to earn God's love, that's not the gospel. That's not the good news. The good news is that God created us to be with him. Our sin separates from God. Those sins cannot be removed. Uh, they can't be erased. They can't be hidden. They can't be made right or paid for by anything that we do. But Jesus paid the price for our sin. He came and to bridge that gap. And everyone who trusts, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And that life with the Holy Spirit starts today and lasts forever. So those two things are false. Um, the Holy Spirit is with you when you trust in Christ and become a brand new believer. And you don't need to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be saved and go to heaven. Does that make sense? Now I want to talk to you briefly about a couple theological differences. Uh, Probably on a macro level, people tend to get tripped up because they look at the book of Acts um, as a story. It's narrative. And a lot of theologians, they look at Scripture systematically. So they look at for principles and points and truths. Um, the book of Acts doesn't approach things directly from principles and points. It looks at story, and the points are behind that. So that impacts how people look at things. The other thing is that, that people begin to look at Scripture from a prescriptive or a descriptive lens. Uh, that is, uh, are, are, are there principles that are clear, and then we learn how to put those truths into practice? Or do we look at practices and actions and experiences and then find the truths out of that? Does that make sense? And so uh, that impacts how we see Scripture. One of the biggest areas of confusion in the church world is the idea between discontinued and continued. That's very simple language. But in fact, there are some people that believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts that come, especially the sign gifts like faith and healing and tongues, those were for the early church in the first couple hundred years of Christianity because they had it really rough, and we don't need that today. In other words, it's discontinued. Um, and I and many others would say, well, things are still pretty rough for the church today. We still need the power of the Holy Spirit to continue the mission of the church. And we know, based on the book of Hebrews, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the power of the Holy Spirit is for us today. There are a variety of other views and opinions on this, including are there initial evidences? Are there evidences of this work of the Spirit? And there's uh, classical, traditional views, and there's newer views of that. And those are wonderful conversations to have. I want to encourage you today simply to do this, to desire the giver, desire the Holy Spirit, desire his presence, desire to be filled by him, desire to be, receive that flooding of spiritual power so that you can, you can see others more clearly, so that you can show the love of Christ more compassionately, so that you can share it more courageously. I want you to desire, desire to be filled with the Spirit in a new and fresh way. Some of you have experienced that filling, that outpouring, that baptism of the Spirit. And Scripture tells us that we can be refilled. We can be refreshed by the Spirit. Our humanity is broken, and we need a fresh move of the Spirit to empower us every day so that we can see others as Christ sees and so that we can love others so that we can survive this crazy world. Now, I want to conclude with this. Um, I want to conclude with this. Mike, if you want to come up, that's great. I want to conclude with this. Three things to, to uh, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit or receiving a fresh filling or uh, uh, to be revitalized in your faith as a follower of Christ is this, is openness. Uh, book of Acts chapter 1, it's clear that the believers were open and receptive. They were desiring the Spirit to come and work upon them in a new, fresh way. The second thing is oneness, oneness. It says that they were one in spirit. They had a great sense of unity. It's very difficult to say, God, I want to have your Holy Spirit and be united with you, but I really hate 
that coworker. I really dislike this person. How can we expect to be united in a stronger, more intimate way with the Spirit of God when we don't want to have oneness or unity with fellow Christians or those around us? And so I think beyond being open to the work of the Holy Spirit, being open to this filling or refilling, being open to whatever you may call it, being open to the person of the Holy Spirit, it means uh, that we have to seek oneness, that we have to have a sense of reconciliation, a sense of right condition with those around us. And the other thing is obedience. I have a dear friend. I have a dear friend, David. Uh, he lives overseas. David uh, has been a Christian for 35 years or so. And six months ago, he experienced the baptism, the flooding with power of the Holy Spirit, with clear evidences of that experience. And for every night, I text messaged him today, every night, 181 days, he wakes up in the middle of the night and prays for one to four hours at a time. The Holy Spirit wakes him up automatically and he is led to pray for friends and family to know Jesus Christ. It's intercessory prayer. It's radical. At first, when I talked with him months ago, he's like, I don't know what's going on. This is crazy. What do you think about this, Mark? And I said, well, that sounds like a pretty awesome thing. Uh, How do you feel? He said, I feel refreshed. I feel like I get enough sleep. I feel like my intimacy with God is greater. I feel like I'm able to, I'm empowered to do things for the Lord. Every day, 181 days. Now, I have never heard an example like that before, but I can testify in my own life that the Spirit gives me strength to know Christ more and to help others know Him. He challenges me how I see, how I walk, um, my sensitivity to His leading. He challenges me to be more compassionate, especially when I'm stubborn. And He challenges and, 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 and walks alongside of me to have courage when I share the gospel in conversations with people like Paul. I want to challenge you today to be, to be open, uh, to seek oneness with others and forgiveness and reconciliation, to do that in your heart, do that with the Lord, and then be obedient to what God has for you. God, the Holy Spirit works uniquely in each and every one of us, okay? He doesn't have to work the same way in everyone. We're unique, uniquely created in his image, in his likeness, and so he's going to work unique in our life. And so whether you have not yet received that filling of the Spirit, or you need a fresh filling of the Spirit, uh, let me encourage you, be open, be open. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today and this opportunity to learn about your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to see more clearly. Lord, day in, day out, we're all surrounded with chaos, we're surrounded with stress, we're surrounded with tension. Lord, we're struggling just to like folks. We can't even think about loving them. God, we need your Spirit to work in us to reorientate our lives, to reorientate our schedule, to help us to walk by faith, not by sight, not by what we see and sense, but by what you know is best. God, help us to see more clearly, to be led by the Spirit. And Lord, empower us to respond and show others compassion. Lord, whether they're spiritual gifts that you want to bestow on us right now, miraculous gifts that enable us to show and share the gospel, Or, Lord, it's radical generosity. We leave that up to you. And God, help us. Help us to have courage to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That while we are sinners, Christ came to rescue us. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would work in a fresh way today. That you would flood and fill us, Lord, in a fresh way today. Lord, we hunger to know you and to make you known. God, cleanse us. Renew us, Lord. Strengthen us by your Spirit. 
I even pray today, Lord, for Paul in Liverpool. Lord, that you would help him trust in you today. Birth faith within him even today. Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would birth, would ignite faith within them right now, that they would know that you love them, that you see them where they're at, Lord, and that they would trust in you as their Lord, their Savior, and they would have new life today, Lord. I pray, Lord, for any and every Christian here, Lord, that they would experience the fullness of your Spirit, the power of your Spirit, Lord, and however and whenever you want to manifest and show your presence, Lord, that you would do it today. God, we're open. We desire unity with others. And God will be obedient to what you do, even if it means getting up and praying in the middle of the night. Thank you, God, for today. Bless my friends in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for letting me go long. Well, thank you, Pastor Mark, uh, for sharing that with us. It's, it's so great. I think that the, the Holy Spirit is one of the greatest gifts that God has given the church because since Jesus is no longer with us in physical form, he has given us his spirit to be here and to be with us and to empower us. And I love what you said at the very beginning of uh, your message when he was talking about when they were walking into the gate and he said the Holy Spirit arrested their attention so that they noticed the crippled man. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for each of us. If we just open up our hearts and our eyes and our ears to all the people that are around us, the Holy Spirit wants to just open us up to the things that are going on around us. So, Thank you so much for that message. Uh, it was really great. It encouraged me. I hope it encouraged all of you too. And